Good evening, Patriots, and it is Tuesday, June 28th in the year 2022, and soon we will be in Wednesday, just like the East Coast already is. Patriots, make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. It's so essential right now, and with good night's sleep, you need good products for sleep that you can't get better than what MyPillow offers. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards is the Bards Nation's landing page for the featured specials on MyPillow. It's our special little outlet, our home base on my pillow. And all the latest sales are there. You have buy one, get one free, continuing on, like buy one, get one free Giza sheets, buy one, get one free classic my pillow. And the classic my pillows are on sale as well for 1988 right now. Just tremendous amount of savings, as well as the new super duper all terrain my slippers with an improved sole. And they've got summer flip flops now as well. Or sandals, really a flip-flop, kind of a flip-flop. Yeah, you have to take a look at it. It's a cool sandal, and it's it's designed for summer. There's all sorts of great products there on MyPillow.com. And the best part is it's a company that's continually fighting for the savior, the saving of this nation. And you know that when you spend your dollars there, not only are you getting great value, great savings, but you're also getting dollars that are going directly to the fight to preserve this nation. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Your promo code is Bards, B-A-R-D-S. If you want to speak to a real live person, you can call 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939, and you'll get a, a chance to speak to a real live Patriot Pillow Counselor who's on standby to make sure that you're well taken care of. So again, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. You know, Patriots, I've been kind of just reflecting on today, and there's a lot of interesting reflections coming out on the case for Roe versus Wade. Obviously, we have the very present and real issue of the left that believes that this is the end of their life, because in a certain sense it is, since it's the end of its dismantling of Baal or Moloch on the throne. It removed that. And that's their, that is their literal worship that they have there. So that's causing them a little bit of consternation, as you might imagine. But I think we're also seeing the deeper agenda of all of this. I find what's really interesting is how the entire ire, which once again is this bringing all things to light, the focus has been on Clarence Thomas. Here's a quick piece from him, from him. You can be in the middle of a hurricane, or you can be on a calm day, north is still north. You could be in a thunderstorm, north is still north. People can yell at you, north is still north. It doesn't change fundamental things. And in this business, right is still right, even if you stand by yourself. You can be in the middle. I think that's a very, I mean, it's a very powerful statement. It's one that's going around here. He's been the quiet justice. He hasn't said a lot for a number of years. And out of nowhere, he came and delivered, oversaw the decision on collapsing Roe versus Wade. And literally drove a tank over the middle of the left. And so there's no no doubt that they not only hate him, but their true racial intent on everything that they do has come out in full swing. This is a real interesting time, I think, for us. It's not just a nation, but especially us in the walk with God. 
And it's brought up an interesting debate, which is this whole concept of my body, my choice. And the idea of my body, my choice has been pretty heavily distorted. And we also see the hypocrisy in it since the left is okay with believing that their bodies don't mean anything when they are trying to save the world with a pharmaceutical vaccine, but their bodies mean everything to them when they have to have sex and can't take the necessary precautions and get pregnant. There's, that's that lack of accountability in life. Here's a quick piece on this. Screaming my body, my choice, because you want to end a human life that you created that you also could have prevented from happening is not the same as those of us screaming my body, my choice, because we don't want the government forcefully injecting us and our children with toxic ingredients like heavy metals and neurotoxins against our will. We are not the same. True statement. And that's kind of what we're realizing now is the level of this bifurcation is huge. This is really kind of takes us back to the Civil War in a certain sense in that era with the division of the United States and the lines that were drawn then, which was for slavery. And I think it was not just that, but at least from from the politically or the historically accepted narrative, it was slavery versus anti-slavery. We're here again at this other part of the world where now it's my choice or your religion and we're having the finger pointed at us because we're trying to mandate a way of being. Now, I bring this up because all things that go on in this world are never as simple as a win or or not or a win or a loss. God delivered a powerful victory, but the left driven by their dark lord constantly has an angle and the angle right now in my opinion is to increase the hatred towards christian faith unfortunately we have some great advocates to help move that along like the catholic church and they are continuing this push towards a one world religion the number one growing religion still at this point in time remains atheism and Christianity has seen people walk away in, in droves. Now, what, I don't, what we don't have any accounting for is the rise of people who are seeking God and seeking a relationship with Christ and are not being measured in the churches because that's how they measure Christianity. So I would add that we probably see the greatest increase in faith that we ever have, but it's not in the walls of the churches. I guarantee someone's going to say to me, oh yeah, but my church, great, I'm happy that's the case. But as a general rule, churches are hemorrhaging people. And that's provable statistically across the nation. And they're hemorrhaging people because the church model is broken. And we know that. The pulpits have become weak for the most part, and almost every church in the nation is still running under a 501c3 model. There's absolutely no reason to be doing that, especially when in the IRS code itself, there is a 508 status, which was put there years ago to preserve the separation of church and state and ensure that churches could not be taxed. 
So that's just, again, it was the 30 pieces of silver that corrupted the pulpit. And in so doing, we have seen a radical decline in really the strength of Christian faith. We have arrived at this point, as I've talked about many times, in this peace at any cost coming from the pulpit. And when you get a milk toast type sermons going on like this, you're not getting the fire and brimstone of the need to, to fight for life. It is stunning to me as a humanity, and this in particular, so many in this movement out here, the progressive movement, and even those that are aligning or those that are of the, this moderate Christian faith saying, you know, like we need to be careful. We don't want to be judging people. We want to be real careful because if we go too far, maybe, maybe this, we're going to lose control of this thing with Roe versus Wade. And they miss the point of what God's done right now and reestablish life on the, on the throne in this nation as the predominant place. I'm going to play a piece for you here that kind of gives you that flavor of this kind of wishy-washy faith. And unfortunately, it comes from an account, typically an account that I respect, because this is a guy that does a lot of faith talk. Bear with me a minute as I try to find it and probably won't now that I'm looking for it. Uh, Man, I'll tell you, that always happens. All right, well, we'll come back to it if I find it. But after I made all that drama about it, the the point is that there is a lot of this talk. Here it is right here. Okay, now this starts out with this, um, I don't know if you saw this vile piece coming out of the Young Turks. This woman was unhinged over this. So take a listen. And what I decide to do with my body, I don't care about your gut. Let me ask you something, Christians. In the current political climate, with everything we've seen the last two years, you really think the Supreme Court woke up one day and said, hey, let's be a Christian nation again on 6-24-2022. Christians are already perceived as the enemy of the new secular world order. We're already considered anti-science, anti-basic civil rights, human rights, and now this. I feel like we all know that making something illegal doesn't make it go away. The fastest growing religion in the world is atheism. At the same time, people are leaving Christianity like never before. So this ruling by the Supreme Court, it's not going to stop abortion. It's just going to make Christians look even worse. We were already considered the enemy. You know what Christians need to do? Focus on their life, what kind of parents they are, how they raise their kids. Be the right kind of person. Love your brother as you love yourself. I feel like somebody important said that. And stop judging people. Maybe if we do that, we'll have a chance of keeping this thing together. Obviously, he doesn't understand what the heck the the ruling was because it didn't ban anything. And that's the first thing. There's so many people that misunderstood what just happened. And that statement right there from an account that I've listened to before, I, I'm very disappointed because this is all like, you know, suddenly it's our fault again. There's no connection to the bigger picture. And this is another problem. People just keep seeing this like it's an abortion issue. This is the center point of control for the Baphomet faith system that they've developed in the shadows. And each child that is aborted as a value somewhere around $250,000 by the time they traffic all the pieces. You're cutting a significant core into the operation of their funding of ritual, their funding derived from ritual sacrifice and then all of the various aspects. And it, it's disappointing when you hear voices like this. And this, again, is going to be replicated in the pulpit. That's what I call milk toast prof- milk toast 
sermons. They don't want to come out and look deeper into the problem. We have that responsibility now to start educating the pulpit or leave and start your own because this is we have got to get people understanding the magnitude of what this abortion system was like. Still is. Here's a point. Abortion clinics are, st- are closing up all over the nation, and yet we were told that abortion wasn't a mainstream of their business. So if the abortion was not a mainstream of their business, why are they closing? Because that is what they were there for. It is indicative of us, if we're walking with God and, and walking this very strong path in Christ, we have to speak truth. And there is just so much out here that is, frankly, it's, it's such weak faith, not strong faith, not teaching people good faith and to be strong Christians and to be warriors. And I, you know my feeling on that because this is, we're not going to get anywhere if we don't have the strength to stand up to this evil. This evil doesn't sleep. This evil doesn't have a problem of murder, of slaughter, of doing whatever is necessary to win. And too many people are just like they're stressed with the little things. Like, oh my goodness, you know, hmm, gee, you know, I'm, I'm so stressed about us judging other people. There's right and there's wrong. And sorry, but if we're going to start getting into this, the bigger questions that should be asked right now are things like, how come the gay community is so concerned about abortion? Where did that suddenly become a connection? Because the last time I checked, two men and two women don't make a baby. So what is that about? And then the transgender community? Like, what is that about? Right? My guess is if we follow the money, you're going to take the money right on back to big pharma and medical research labs that are dumping money into their front shills on the, on the front line because they're concerned about losing a lot of their genetic material that they need to build new bioweapons and to deliver to the public. That's an educated guess. It is really unbelievable that we're at such a state to even be discussing or having any sides on the issue of killing children. It's murder. And it's equally unbelievable to me that every church in the nation isn't not only coming out celebrating this, but openly coming out and make and openly condemning this my choice nonsense out here. But there's a pretty big void in that voice right now. And it's fairly disappointing. I don't think Jesus would be too impressed, to be quite frank. It reminds me of Matthew 11, starting at 1120. Then he began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre or Sidon, 
which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades, for if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, which occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Powerful words. And we just witnessed a powerful miracle across this nation. It's something that we have to really take to heart. We've prayed on it. I'm very proud of that. Many people have prayed on it and thank God for that. Even President Trump, in his first statement, gave credit to God. So where are the strong pulpits celebrating this, and not just celebrating this, but coming out hard and swinging on the defense of life? Again, I'm not saying it's not happening, but what I'm saying is that's not happening very loudly. And we need to be teaching these morals hard. It's, it's amazing to me that, as I mentioned the other day, there is a, it was a group out in front of the Supreme Court, about 200 young ladies, different ages, probably 16, it looked like, to about 22, led by good chaperones, all celebrating, and it's celebrating the fact that they were the first post-abortion era generation, that they were going to ensure in their lifetimes that abortion was eradicated. That's the fire we need. That's the, that's the warrior spirit there. And the problem that the left has made here and the progressive side and even those that are arguing this, there is no reason in any of this discussion. Someone says, well, okay, well, we have to make abortions legal to this point. We have to make abortions legal to this point. The problem we have seen is when the minute you open a door, they charge through it and take it three miles out. Where We went from abortions within a short period of time basically centered on rape and incest. That was the original concept to arriving at a baby that can be aborted six months after its birth. A nation that lives like that has no morals and needs to be burned to the ground. That's the, ultimately the destiny of Babylon. Right now in our country, as we sit back and really look at this, we're starting to really see clearly that there is a true dark evil that has woven into most of aspects of our lives. And it's not easy to witness, not easy to see or look at. And it doesn't give us tremendous amounts of hope when we consider it either because it, it seems very heavy and it begs the question, of how can we get out of this? And that's really the question we should never ask because when we start asking how, we're not, we're not pushing into the trust in God. We're t- we have to remain away from the tomorrows and we have to remain and stop worrying about the past and we have to anchor truly into the moment. Easier said than done. But we nonetheless have to try. Because God is working in a steady pace and we're seeing these miracles happen everywhere. 
Romans 16, 17 to 18. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of our own appetites, of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. We are dealing with all sorts of deception in the tongues of many. I saw one of the flags today from the rainbow marches that they've been having that literally had on the rainbow flag, Satan loves Jews. At least we have truth in advertising for once. And I think that that's more real than not. This time in, in in our time now, it's literally like hell has emptied its coffers and dumped it all into our streets. So we're going to have to continue to realize that as that anger swells and there will be more cases coming here along the Supreme Court if we follow this walk, whatever shifted here, if one wants to interpret this as a conspiracy theory, which that last piece tended to, to imply somehow that the Supreme Court had used that day to strike a blow to Christians, then that person has failed to see the glory of what just happened with the return of life back in our nation. The valley of decision is at our feet. And quite literally, the world that we paint and decide it's going to be is the direction we will follow. And in some of this conversation at times, I, you know, for some it, it gets uncomfortable because the things I mention or refer, refer to sometimes sound a little esoteric, but let's, let's step out of the rigid structure of scripture right now. And let's look at that from a little more esoteric point of view. And let's just be observing and see what we see. The world is truly divided right now. And in the two camps, you have a camp that's been obedient. And it's a world that has accepted scarcity. It's a world that has accepted obedience to authority. It's a world that has looked to the state to fix its problems, not to God. And it's a world that thinks and justifies that anything that they choose is theirs to do. That is the religion of me. And that camp has brought on many different people from many different walks of life. And as crazy as some of that is, there's many people that stay there because they just hate the idea that there's a restriction on some of the things that they have to do in this world. It's like people that hate Biden, but they will never accept that Trump did a good thing because they can't stand Trump for whatever reason. There are some very hard-lined positions here and this is where I've said many times there's a there's more than two paths there's at least three so on the there's another side over here that's entrenched in everything Trump everything Q and there's not a whole lot of Jesus in there either if you want to dig there's a little bit of mention of Jesus there's probably a little bit of tossing out of Jesus like you toss out crumbs to the birds at the park but living and walking through Jesus is not the thing 
And the problem is that some in that movement have accepted Christ, they say, but at the same time, their worship of Q is still so intertwined that they have to constantly create defenses for anything that challenges the temple of Q. And that's a very dangerous place to be. That's, that's an idolatry of idolatries right there. And it's a, it's a deeply deceiving idolatry. I will tell you, between the two of those, I'll choose the person that walks over in the darkness and accepts the state as their overlord and master any day to have a conversation about Christ with. Because I will guarantee you, as I talk to them, since they don't typically have a relationship with Jesus, they're going to have an embraced, they're going to embrace that walk and they're going to be, some are going to be willing to walk over and try. The problem we have in the conservative side with many, and it's not just a few, is the obsession of worship of a, of a person like President Trump. You get things like making memes of him being Jesus or being king. That may sound funny. I don't find it to be comical at all because it starts to walk into a measure of idolatry that's absolutely dangerous. And there's the obsession of that that things cannot happen unless he comes back. Or things are going to happen like the way Q on the clock said they would, which is always about someone else saving them. So in the end, what's the difference between the radical left and this kind of extremism on the right? One has accepted a master. The other is waiting for a master. The irony is they're both the same. What's different is the color of their hats, the color of their shirts, but at the end of the day, they're walking a parallel path and don't even realize it. As we step away and we're going to truly walk as people of God, children of God, it doesn't tell you you can't vote, it, though the Amish don't vote. I do find that interesting. No one says you can't vote. No one says you can't get involved in politics. But as if you followed me now for any length of time, you know my position that I will worship no man. And taking a step back from that idolatry, that obsession of a person or a specific thing like a letter allows us to see clearly. It's interesting that, and I mentioned this yesterday or earlier today, one of the two, there was a comment made on True Social about Juan Osaban coming on the show today. And the comment was, I've lost, I, I don't know if I can trust you anymore because you had Juan Osaban come on. <laughs> I just laughed. I, my comment was snarky. It was something like, uh, you know, liberty gives you the right for, for to choose, and that's great, but after 1,520 shows, it's, I don't really care. You just need to move on. Because if one interview dislodges you, then you really shouldn't be there anyway because all they're wanting is a vertical this stove piping of information that reaffirms their belief system. That's what you're hearing. And when we start, stop listening, we stop living. We just become obedient slaves. We have to be willing to step out of these confines right now. And there's some major traps here that have been built 
and they will continue to be lures in front of people to draw them away. That narrow path is never going to be easy. And so we're going to get into this place now where people are uncomfortable with division. They're going to hear the left or they're going to hear the comments that say, my body, my choice. And you're going to be like, yeah, you know, you're really right. We shouldn't as Christians judge them for what they want to do. Nonsense. Absolute flipping nonsense. I'm not judging somebody. I'm telling them you have to, you're, you're a living being. And that thing, what you did in there had a choice. No one forced you to have sex. Now, if you tell me right away, well, I was raped or I, had inc- I was incest, that's a level of very difficult discussion that we're not going to veer into tonight, and I'm not channeling it off to say there's no discussion, there's no answer to it. But there's a lot of case-by-case situations there that need to be reflected on very differently. But that represents, by the way, in true case numbers, about 2.6% of the total abortions in this entire nation. So let's not distort the facts. And my percentage could be off a little bit there, just in case somebody facts checks me. But it's very low by proportion to the number of, of cases of abortion across this entire nation. We have seen the extermination of at least 55 million, and some say as high as 70 million, babies in this nation. That's a genocide. And so when someone says, you know, Christians, we need to be careful about judging others, that's not a judgment. That's a fact that we've killed 70 million lives through abortion, and people have done it willfully. It's sick. And it speaks to a deeper sickness, not just in our nation, but in our moral fiber, and again, back to the pulpit. We need to start getting hard about our values and what we stand for. And we don't have to be, the one thing that's, that's I find a bit problematic is that when you talk about these things, there is a sense I find that when people of strong Christian faith can't seem to talk about it without giving exact scripture, there's a lot of very common sense perspectives here we can talk about and talk to without always having to have a litany of scripture that sometimes don't mean anything to people if they don't understand the Bible and don't have a relationship with God. And I'm, I'm really, this is an important point here. Our role is to communicate to people. And if you're walking with God and we're in the presence of God and we have Christ in our heart, words will be given and words will flow. But if we've worked hard to develop a script, so to speak, to speak to people about specific verse on every single thing, and they have never read the Bible, or worse, their relationship with Christianity has been hostile or negative, it's just going to sound like a cult to them. In fact, it's going to sound, in comparison, it's going to sound more like something they'd be like, oh, you're a bunch of QAnon Christians, which is said once in a while. There's nothing more important than just to lay down some simple realities of life to people, responsibility, accountability, who, who forced you to have sex. And most of the time they'll get, people will have to start reflecting. It doesn't mean they're going to be happy about it, but that's part of awakening. It's part of awake, O sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you sort of thing. Our nation is deeply wounded. And I've mentioned this before because it's in 
my my books that never seem to get done. I have two of them on four of them in writing right now. Unbelievable. One of these days, Patriots, I promise you it'll come out. But one of the one of the chapters of one of the books is this. Like breast surgery, we will all be scarred. You see, we're not going to get through this war without everybody carrying a little bit of pain on them. And it's not going to be avoidable. Unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of pain for those that have not met Christ or refuse to meet Christ. That pain's going to get pretty heavy. And those people are always going to want to be living in a system where they can escape. So back to this kind of non-biblical view for a minute, just kind of neutral. What does that world look like now? When we have a group of people that are walking closer and closer with God, but they're not in the churches, they're walking closer and closer with God. We have another group of people that are, many of them in churches, many of them tied to the worship of a man or a worship of a letter. And we have another group over here that's wanting to, that is pain. Many of them are scarred and injured. And where are they seeking? They want to go to Meta. They want to get stuff for free. They want people to give them stuff. They want, they want, they want, they want for the religion of me. That doesn't look like a united kingdom of people to me. So as I say many times, we have our walk to do. And the only thing that can bring this all back together is the hand of God. And the reason I think it's important to look at that is there are certain levels of division that we cannot facilitate or fix. We can't repair some of this. And even a person accepting Jesus doesn't mean that they're going to be able or willing to repair it either. This level of, of division and, and pain in this nation, in this world, can only be cured and solved by God himself. So that kind of puts our role in a little different optic. We can do our best to and do our duty to open people's eyes to truth, lead them to a discussion that opens their hearts to Jesus. We can be there to help our neighbor, which we've talked about many times. And we can encourage people to take responsibility and power for themselves. We are not set up, nor should we be set up to be a welfare agency. Our whole role is to help people stand. So how do we see a world then? Because... There's a lot of things that you have to wonder if people even want to move forward to this other type of living. There's a lot of people that don't want to leave the the comfort of a city and the welfare programs. They want that lifestyle. So when I hear things on, and there's a lot of this garbage floating around, like, you know, it's going to be a whole new world, Patriots. We're going to have med beds and we're going to have there's going to be no more homelessness and there's going to be no more of this. I don't know who's writing that script, but they haven't spent any time on the streets. 
there's just a lot of people that are deeply wounded or, and there's others that's never want to be part of a system or structure that they're talking about. But what no one's limited by, I don't think any of anybody out there it would refuse outrightly. I shouldn't say anybody. There'll always be those that'll refuse the conversation of a true relationship with Jesus. Unfortunately, again, we go back to so many that have been tainted or scarred by the church itself and the way it functions and the hypocrisy that comes from that. Look, I had my own issues with the church for a long time, still do in that, in that matter. How many churches are out there that the, the leadership themselves lives in sin? You have affairs going on in the church and people seeing it like it's a hookup place. We don't need the stereotypes and we don't need the temples that are rotten. We need that true and powerful walk in relationship with Jesus that each one of us can have and bring to the world. And that means that each one of us can be that lamp on the hill. And as each one of us becomes that lamp on the hill, we affect somebody else in a very positive way. And I think that's the most we can expect. And I think that's what God would want. Not to try to confront these lefties or shake all this the evil out of them in mass, but to do it one at a time. Become the virus, so to speak, in a positive way. It slowly pulls them away and weakens their ranks and creates a bigger and bigger army for God. But one thing I can tell you that I'm more and more certain of, and I say it every night in the show, but I'm saying it now from a different different lens and a different emphasis. We are truly all here for a reason, and I'm certain of that. There are those out here that have been very able to hear God's voice. And there are many out here that are awakening to God's voice. And there are many out here that are still wandering, not knowing why they are here. That is enough for me every single day to get up, tighten on my boots, and get out and do it again. Because somebody out here is looking and seeking. And when we look at it that way and we turn that over to God, that's profound. I had a teacher once who spent 30 plus years teaching at the university. In fact, he was my advising professor. His name was Dr. Leonard Adolph, very good friend, East Asianist, opened my eyes to the histories of China. And he said to me one day, he said, you know, he said, I've taught for about 30 years. And he said, the greatest reward in that 30 years is having a a student that wants to learn and wants to pursue the responsibility of an education. That means opening their mind. I was, after 30 years, I was his second. And that always stuck with me because in the pursuit of what he was looking for, he enjoyed teaching 
but his true reward only came in his eyes of two people that were really seeking to open their minds and think free. I think that's a powerful insight into our world. We've been very blessed in this group that we have of many people that have come together with common mind. And I see that purely as how God works. But there's a whole bunch of others out there. Many don't want to hear. Many are wandering. But all we should each be trying to do is to find that one or that two. Because when we do, they themselves will become as powerful with the passion in Christ that we have. And that's literally how we change the world, in my opinion. In the meantime, the world falls apart. There's chaos on the streets. The media highlights all the chaos. And the true acts of love and kindness go unspoken. So I think that's probably our job as well, to make sure people know that there's some really amazing people in this world, amazing people that care, that don't condemn. Amazing people that are there to nurture. Because there's a lot of people now, and I mentioned this the other day, that as these things are starting to come about with the changing of rulings and the changing of responsibility and forcing accountability back onto the society and back onto the individual, like Roe versus Wade, sure, there's going to be the lawyers that fight to stop the the prohibit prohibiting of abortion that just happened in two states today. You're going to have the crazies that demand that it's their right to kill a child. That that, And that's fine until they, that they would never murder somebody. And if they did and go to jail, then they would start to think differently. But that's not the case. But what we're not seeing are those under, the, under that loud vocal plane that are wounded, they're hurting, they're coming to realize what they did. And the more that this unravels, there's going to be more and more of this on many domains, not just abortion, but on many domains of people having to come to grips with what they went along with, the guilt that they'll feel of judging family members. And you know what's really amazing about our walk with God? is even though right now we could sit here and we can feel hurt, we can feel angry at somebody, and we can get angry about something that they say. We can push out our chest and we can get ready to defend our family at any cost. But you know the one thing that everybody that walks with Jesus has in their heart? It's this incredible ability to switch from warrior to a compassion and forgiveness. And that is what the enemy can never defeat. No matter how hard they try, we can ultimately hold that most amazing line of knowing that at a certain point, no matter what, we're willing to give our lives at any way and any cost to defend what we stand for in this world. But at the same time, we will extend the hand of love and forgiveness in a way that only those that walk with Jesus can understand. And as we do that, we become the most ferocious, most 
indomitable army ever to rise in modern times. Nothing can stop us. And that's literally, if you want to use a a well-known statement at this point, in that moment in time, nothing can stop what's coming. The love of Jesus is on the move. In spite of what everyone tells you, the love of Jesus is on the rise. And he's moving through us, and God is moving with us, and God is presenting some amazing victories. Let us celebrate that every day that we can. Let us take strength from what is given, and let us double down in our commitment to occupy this land and expand the kingdom. Patriots, let's pray. Father, very blessed in this time with all that you've given us and continue to give us and each step that you provide, our eyes are open to the darker side of the evil, but not just evil, a loneliness and a pain. Mark 4.22, for nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to light. And so, Father, what you have shown us here, which is most amazing in each step, is more that comes to light. We, we see past the evil, and we begin to see those that are wounded, hurting, suffering, alone. Thank you for the gift of sight. For what you have given us here is great. And we are deeply humbled. And so we just thank you this evening and ask for the forgiveness for the sins that we've made. And thank you for the sacrifices made on our behalf. Thank you, Father, in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. There is a need for us to remain very, and I'll use the term, human. It's very easy for us to get wrapped around an inhumanity that sucks us away. And sadly, when that happens, we kind of lose a lot of who we are. I'm going to read in the closing tonight, I'm going to read you a story a story of a police officer and it's a pretty touching story and it's just kind of a reminder of us as people. And so it goes like this. You may, there's a picture of a woman kneeling by the side of a man who's very thin and he's got an oxygen tube in his mouth. I posted this on the Bars family room if you're curious. And so in reference to the picture, it says you may look at this picture and, and see a caring granddaughter comforting her beloved grandfather as he lies in a weakened state in a hospital bed. The truth is that this woman is a police officer and she met Bob, the man who's in the bed, only two years ago while she was on duty. Lawrenceville Police Department Detective Dina Walker Polly's life was changed forever when she was dispatched to a local pawn shop where staff were unsure how to help this man. Life had not been kind to Bob. He had been on his own since he was a child and has known, has had, has known no family in his life. He was homeless most of his life and, stroke, and a stroke eventually left him nonverbal. His life is a series of sad stories strung together 
by poverty and loneliness. My sweet friend arrived at the pawn shop and was also unsure how to assist Bob, but she sensed he needed help and offered to take him home so he could show her what he needed. She was horrified horrified when she saw Bob's living conditions. My sister in blue may have been dispatched that day by police radio, but I have no doubt she was really sent by God. She immediately addressed Bob's deplorable living conditions and taught him basic skills such as throwing garbage in the trash rather than on the floor. She's ensured he has food to eat and routinely cleans his small apartment. She eventually sought and received a power of attorney for Bob's medical care. He's been in the hospital since May, and today was an important day. For Bob and Dina. I spent my lunch hour at Eastside Medical Center as Dina made a difficult decision to begin hospice care for Bob. She held his hand and told him many times that she loved him. It's quite possible she's the first person to ever utter those words to this poor man. When we held Bob's hands and prayed with him today, we wanted to make sure he knows how much God loves him and how many people care about him. I've never been more proud of any friend than I was of Dina Walker Polly. It's hard for her to say goodbye to Bob. I told him he's changed her life forever because I know it's true. She told me last week it really bothers her to think of Bob being discarded after he passes. So, so I reached out to Tom M. Wages Funeral Service and Tommy Wages didn't hesitate to offer their service. Dina takes great comfort knowing she can keep Bob with her once he's gone. Thank you so very much for the gift, Tommy. As sad as it may is to say goodbye, I can't wait for Bob to get his first glimpse of heaven because his life on earth has been so hard. Please keep Bob and Dina in your prayers in the coming days as we trust God to do the best for Bob. Please also remember to pray for cops. This photo depicts the true nature of law enforcement and officers. We are drawn to the professions because we care. We care so deeply that it hurts sometimes. We see the worst, but sometimes we also get to see the best. And we have the opportunities to truly make a difference for people like Bob. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep your prayers up. We have the strength of the love of Jesus in our life. And it's something we need to share. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then, or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to 
sits down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow, oh, you're an eye. 